1: This is Jenna Ellis in the morning.
0: Good morning. Happy Monday. It's February 19th, and it is President's Day. Happy President's Day to all of you who are at home celebrating. Uh, We here at American Family Association are working. Not that we don't celebrate President's Day and uh, appreciate all of, well... All, probably all but, but one or two of the, of the presidents who have served in office. Um, I should say we appreciate all those who have faithfully served and kept their oaths to the U.S. Constitution and uh, have done a good job for America. And, and unfortunately, that doesn't include um, all presidents, at least in in my opinion. And um, and it's not even just in in recent history. There were a few uh, earlier on around uh, you know the the turn of the century that I think gave rise to the large administrative state and some of the other things that we're experiencing today and um, a few of the Supreme Court appointees, of course, that have uh, aided and abetted, shall I say, uh, some of the erosion of our rule of law and the separation of powers and created the judicial branch to uh, be much stronger than it should have been under the original founding. And so um, this is why it's so important, though, to Study history and to uh, study not just what uh, each of the presidents uh, did according to some of the textbooks that may have been written by leftists, because um, as, as the saying goes, um, history is written by the victors. And um, sometimes, and we're seeing this, of course, in education today, sometimes there are textbooks that uh, don't really do a good job of explaining history. And uh, when I was teaching at Colorado Christian University, uh, I, I d- developed their legal studies program, it was a minor. That would prepare students to go on to law school. Um, It's it's my my view, and I will tell any student who college student who's looking to go to law school do not major in pre law. Pre law is basically just an amalgamation of of a bunch of different classes that is not a standalone degree. And a lot of people say, well, I'm signaling to law to, to to law school committees that I really want to go to law school. Well, your application kind of does that on its own already. And having a standalone degree that uh, gives you an edge and also a fallback if you end up um, like me, not my primary vocation is not practicing law um, anymore. And I actually majored in journalism. And that was uh, God's plan for me. I didn't know it at the time, but God used that to uh, give me an ability to write and speak on media that um, I think would have been a lot more difficult without the undergraduate studies that I uh, that I had. And so I always tell uh, future law students, major in something substantive, something that you would want to uh, to do and to practice as your vocation, uh, which, of course, is blending your skills and talents of that the, the Lord has given you with something that you can um, earn a, uh, a paycheck and you can provide for your family or, you know, you can provide um, for for yourself, like in my case, about uh, being single. And so, you know, for especially for women as well, I always said, go to college. I mean, you never know if I had just stayed and waited and thought, well, you know, God's going to bring me my husband and I want to have a family. I do want that. But um, in God's provision, that time has not come yet in my life. And I have been doing ministry prior to that. And, um, and the, what I did in school allowed that. And, um, so I I say all that, um, that was kind of a a sidetrack to say when I was studying, uh, for developing, these classes at Colorado Christian University when I was a professor there and um, and their minor that was legal studies that could be attached to a substantive degree, whether it was business, journalism, literally anything, you could take it and you still can uh, at CCU take it as a minor to prepare you for law school. Uh, one of the classes that I taught was constitutional law and looking at textbooks. Um, and I actually reached out to to my friend um, and mentor, Mike Ferris, who a lot of you will, will recognize as um, the founder of HSLDA. And um, he taught for years, constitutional law at Patrick Henry College that he founded. And I asked him, you know, what textbook do you use? Because none of these look very good. And he actually developed his own uh, textbooks that's just a, a a bunch of cases that would go through some of the principles of a constitutional law and how the Supreme Court has either gotten it right, gotten it partially right, or totally gotten off track. Uh, because one of the things that I found in looking at textbooks is that uh, a lot of them, and, and several, and the one that was actually recommended to me uh, by someone else, uh, at the chair of the department, started off by saying, look at our Constitution. It's only a couple of pages long. And compare that to the constitutions of other countries that uh, that are so much longer and so much more substantive. And look at how many more rights they enshrine in their constitutions that we don't have in ours. And I'm thinking, okay, in that very opening chapter, you're completely getting it wrong. Because what our founders understood... And, and the reason we celebrate President's Day, which was originally uh, just to celebrate George Washington's birthday, who's the first president, our founders understood that our rights don't come from a constitution. They don't have to be specifically enumerated in order for our natural rights to be vested to us and in us as human beings made in the image of God. It's just a, a delegation by the people under our consent, we the people, Uh, The first three words of the Constitution that to the government for the purpose of preserving and protecting our individual rights uh, from the government and from infringement from each other. And so we gave specific limited rights and we separated them into three branches on the federal level. So we didn't have just one king who is the legislator, the executive and the judiciary, all in one, couldn't just uh, put out edicts and then enforce it himself. Um, there was a check. There's a balance on the separation of powers, and 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 all of that is so important in history to study. And so when you're looking at textbooks, and and for college students who may be listening, or even high school students, uh, when you read your textbooks, you always want to say, okay, what is the perspective of this author, and are they getting it right? And study critically, read critically, because if you if you just allow your understanding of history to be a version that is shaped by someone else, they may get it right, but they may not. And Uh, And a lot of these textbooks don't get it right. And especially when it comes to the Constitution and our framework of government and in even what we celebrate today, President's Day, I was scrolling through a few articles, of course, written by mainstream media talking about, you know, different presidents and what they thought about the presidents. Um, It's always important. It's so important to read the byline. And, And this is why I love AFR as a network, because even though we have... Um, divergent opinions on um, on air, and, you know, I may disagree with with what um, another show show's commentary is, or um, you know, politically or just policy, you know, all of that is fine. All of that is debatable, and the founders even understood that. But what we all agree on, Is a biblical worldview and substantive truth and objective truth, and that truth comes from God as our divine lawgiver. And we all agree on that, and that's why we're on this network. And then we can talk about other things, we can talk about news of the day, all of that kind of stuff, but we all have a biblical, truthful worldview and perspective. And so when you come to this network and you're listening, um, you will get that view. You will get correct theology. You will get a correct view of God. And then from there, we can debate, is this policy good for the country? Is this candidate good for the country? Is this um, decision, is this opinion good precedent for the country? And and we can debate all that. Um, but, but when we celebrate President's Day today, um, I, I think it's very important to take a moment and just consider what do we think about presidents um in history and how does our view of those presidents how is that shaped by history that has come even since then i mean i i remember i was very young but i remember um listening to you know rush limbaugh's i was one of the rush babies um and listening to the impeachment of of bill clinton and you know ken starr and and that whole um that whole case and everything that was going on and having a very different view of that, I think, um, just from obviously my age, but also looking at Clinton's presidency now contrasted to Obama and Biden and thinking, wow, I mean, you know, there, there were a lot of things I disagreed on Bill Clinton on, and I'm not saying he was a great president, but comparatively, I mean, especially on the issue of abortion, which we're going to get into in some later segments with, um, some important things that have come up, um, you know, he was the one that went out and was like, let's this has to just be, you know, safe, legal and rare and and was more pro-life even than some Republicans, at least in his rhetoric, just because that was more of the culture, uh, you know, back in in the early 90s. And and so we need to look at um, not just the lens of history and how history can maybe change our perspectives, but also always contrasting. What has happened in history with truth? Was was that good, what he said, not just compared to Biden, but compared to truth? Well, no, the truth of abortion is it, it shouldn't just be safe, legal, and it's never safe. It shouldn't be legal. And yeah, it should be rare because we should be working to uh, to make that not just illegal across the country, but unthinkable. So, uh, so that gets to us to another former president and this headline uh, today that... It's just ridiculous. Uh, President Trump is forced to pay $355 million in New York And he calls the decision a sham. I think he's right on that. So this headline coming from the National Review. Manhattan judge Arthur Ngoron ordered Donald Trump and his companies to pay $35 million in penalties in a Friday ruling in the former president's civil fraud trial and placed severe restrictions on the real estate mogul's ability to do business in New York. And uh, this is a terrible opinion it is absolutely trying to weaponize um the office of the attorney general uh to get trump and we know that because of what uh then candidate uh Letitia james said at the time and then even what she said in her victory speech listen to this this is uh,
2: i will never be afraid to challenge this illegitimate president he should be charged with obstructing justice i believe that the president of these united states can be indicted for criminal offenses I will be shining a bright light into every dark corner of his real estate dealings and and every dealing
0: demanding truthfulness at every turn. (laughs) So, so she ran literally on, I'm going to get Trump. And she had the, she took the rule of law and she, she threw it out the window and she targeted a person, and then built a case around it. And that is not at all what the law should do. Now, whether you support Trump in a political capacity or not, I mean, all of my listeners know that um, I endorsed and supported in my personal capacity Governor uh, DeSantis for president. Fine, all of that stuff we can debate later. But the rule of law should not ever target an individual, whether that's Donald Trump or anyone else. Um, This is egregious and it it continues to show how the Democrats are just out to try to use and weaponize the law to target him um and and to basically bankrupt his campaign Now there's a GoFundMe account <laughs> that was started uh by someone on social media and and I think this is actually completely ridiculous as well that uh now there's an attempt to try to fundraise and crowdfund thirty five million dollars. In New York to help pay for this. And I'm thinking, okay, first of all, why are individuals trying to then pay for a, a billionaire's fees in a civil fraud case? Why not at least just, you know, support the campaign, support whatever you want, but not some of these civil judgment? I mean, I get the I get the rationale behind it but at the same time that's not going to that's not what's what's going to stop them it's it's only through the appellate system and hopefully and and we should pray for genuine justice in this case not just pro or anti trump we need to pray for genuine justice and for the court system to set aside all of the prejudices that they may have and apply the rule of law correctly because uh, Kevin O'Leary, who was one of the um, the sharks on Shark Tank, um, I love that show actually, slammed the decision as unjust and un-American. He said, I don't understand where someone got hurt. If this judgment sticks, every developer would be jailed. They'd be found guilty. They'd be put out of business. You can't do this to one another. It's not about Trump. He's absolutely right. So on this President's Day, let's celebrate the rule of law, the presidents that have done a good job in keeping their oath of office. And I think we should come together as conservatives to support the rule of law, regardless of some of the policy differences that we may debate. We'll be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. Last year, Because of You, Preborn's network of clinics saw over 58,000 babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. When Antoinette found out she was pregnant, she was in a very bad place. She didn't know how she could raise a child on her own. She searched for an abortion clinic, and God led her to a preborn clinic where she met her baby on ultrasound. When she saw her baby and heard the heartbeat, she broke down crying, and the nurse reminded her that babies are a blessing from God. She chose life. Her daughter's name is Treasure because she is a gift from God. Each of these babies are truly miraculous, and every day, Preborn celebrates 200 miracles. $28 a month can be the difference between the life and the death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection that doubles the baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers choose life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Baby. That's pound 250 baby or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com.
1: Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning on American family
0: radio. Welcome back. And uh, Adam, my great producer uh, made a great comment in the break that must be repeated that when we're talking about uh, the truth, a lot of times people this day and age think that their own opinions on everything become the truth and their perspectives are what everyone needs to think and follow rather than saying, does my opinion conform to an objective standard of truth? And then seek to persuade others if our opinions disagree why their opinion should be shaped not just because it's in conformance with our opinion, but is it in conformance with truth? So truth should always be the standard. Don't expect everybody to have the exact same opinions uh, as you. I mean, just like if you—if we're talking about, you know, favorite flavors of ice cream, for example, people can differ on that. That's really okay. And, and then there are other things that are obviously way more important, uh, but even some policy differences, candidate preferences, you know, some of these things, we can all disagree and that is okay, but we do need to all agree on the foundation of... Of biblical truth and the person of God, um, who is the person of truth, and outflowing from the person of truth and objective truth, of course, is the issue of pro-life as the foundational right that we have, and that is not up for debate. Um, this should not be a spectrum of you know where does life begin, and we'll we will attach uh, a we'll attach personhood at somewhere arbitrarily along the scale. No, uh, God says. That uh, he creates life and life begins at conception and we have an inherent dignity and right to life uh, given by God from conception all the way until natural death. So we should be pro-life not just for unborn children, but also in. End of life bills, things like physician assisted suicide, or things, um, other things that are terrible, terrible policy decisions that don't respect that God is the giver of life and He is the one that numbers our days. No one else. Um, this is why you know th- this isn't a matter of opinion; it's a matter of objective truth. And one of the stories uh, coming out of D.C. This was a press conference uh, last week where Representative Chip Roy and Representative Andy Biggs led a press conference Wednesday, calling for transparency on the deaths of five aborted babies whose bodies are being held by Washington, D.C. officials. Um, They are known as the five. This is a tragic story, and lawmakers and pro-life activists are demanding justice for these five because they are suspected of being victims of illegal late-term abortions performed at a Washington, D.C. abortion clinic in 2002. This is what Chip Roy said at that press conference.
2: We're here to remember the D.C. Five, but to fight for them and fight for them to be treated as they should be treated. and I I think it's really important, right? If a a one-month-old child was just discarded and just tossed aside, imagine the horror, imagine all the news stories, imagine what you'd see on, you know, CNN, local news, Fox News, whatever. And here we're talking about precious life that was just callously disregarded, discarded, just thrown away like refuse. That's just unconscionable. So that's actually what to me is the most compelling point of all of this, in addition to laws, laws that need to be followed. We're a country of laws. And so when we gather here today, we're talking about both that violation of our conscience in terms of how these human beings were treated and the violation of law.
0: Yeah. Again, we are a nation of rules, not a nation of rulers. And joining me now is our good friend, Father Frank Pavone, who is the founder of Priests for Life and one of the foremost pro-life advocates in the country. And um, Frank Pavone, um, you actually had more detail on this, this story in D.C. Um, tell us a little bit more of that background.
1: Yes, Jenna. Well, it's always good to be with you. Thanks so much for covering this story. And, uh, yeah, in March of um, of 2022, uh, some of our friends who were praying outside of, of one of the uh, abortion uh, facilities in D.C. actually were able to convince the driver of the medical truck that was there to pick up the, the bodies of the aborted babies to let them have one of the boxes, And uh, in those boxes, actually, I mean, here we're talking about five babies, but there were actually 115 bodies. uh, The the rest of them have been buried, but these five were particularly well-developed. These are late-term abortions. And one of them, for example, uh, Dr. Kendra Kolb, a neonatologist, examined the body, said that this baby was between 28 and 30 weeks. Of gestational age so the question arises you know there late-term abortion is legal in America but there is a procedure called partial birth abortion that is not legal that specific procedure was made illegal back in 2003 and uh, there was evidence in, in the body of this baby because of lacerations on the back of the neck that this child may have been killed by the partial birth abortion procedure which would be a violation of federal law. So the pro-life people are asking that there be an autopsy, that there be an investigation. Did this abortionist violate the law? I mean, it's a a legitimate question whether one is pro-life or pro-choice. Not to mention, as as Representative Roy said, the moral uh, just offensiveness of the fact that babies are being killed in this way some of our fellow citizens don't think abortions are happening that late in pregnancy. They are, and they're legal. But the problem is we never see, we hardly ever see the results of it. That's one of the things that makes this case so powerful is that we're seeing it face to face.
0: And and this case, of course, is being basically ignored and has been ignored since 2022 by the mainstream media who don't want to talk about late term abortions. They don't want to talk about partial birth abortions, because if you ever see this uh, discussed among the pro-choice crowd and, of course, on entertainment and leftist driven media, they they make abortion almost seem like, you know, this magical thing that you just, you know, go for a little doctor's visit and you come out and you're not pregnant anymore and everybody's happy and there's no consequences. And you know, look, it's it's not messy, and and yet when we talk about late term abortions, we're talking about you know almost fully developed babies, and then partial birth abortions. Um, d- describe the differences between the two, and and I agree with you, both should be illegal, but you know, but partial birth is it is literally, I mean, what it the description of it is exactly how it sounds.
1: Well, it, it is partial birth. The baby is put into a breech position, and then delivered, partially delivered, so that literally the baby's feet and legs and torso are are, are hanging out of the, of the birth canal, and uh, the, the, the abortionist is able to reach up to the neck, um, the baby's still alive, and then the, the uh, uh, abortionist kills the baby with scissors in the back of the neck and then suctions out the, 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 the brains. Now, people are going to think about, listen to this and say, this just sounds like a, a fictional horror film. This can't possibly be happening. Oh, I, I, I invite them to go back to, if they want to use the congressional records, uh, back when this debate, this debate actually started over partial birth abortion in the mid-90s. And I was involved in it right from the beginning because I, I, I spoke to the abortionist that, whose medical paper, got the whole debate going. He was teaching other abortionists out in Ohio how to do this particular procedure. And it got passed twice. There's a long history to this. It got passed twice in Congress to ban this procedure under the presidency of Bill Clinton. And Jenna, he vetoed it twice. He vetoed the prohibition on this gruesome act of 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 killing that I just described. And 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 finally under George W. Bush uh, the Congress again passed a a, a a law to protect these babies from this particular procedure, and uh, he signed it into law. It was challenged in the Supreme Court, and in 2007, the Supreme Court upheld—now, this was when Roe v. Wade was still in effect, uh, and, and nevertheless, uh, the Supreme Court upheld— this prohibition on such a gruesome act of, of killing a baby. Now, there are other procedures. Every abortion is wrong. You and I agree. I mean, no matter what proce- process of killing you use, the, the point is that the killing is wrong because the child should be protected. But the, in the other methods of later term abortion, you basically are dealing with you know the, the, the abortionists uh, uh, going in with a needle and putting a, uh, a, a drug into the heart to stop the heart from beating and then delivering uh, basically a, still, a stillbirth. Uh, and, and these procedures take several days uh, because the cervix has to be dilated. And, and this is going on all around the country. Uh, so it's time to take a good look at this. And anybody who thinks they're pro-choice, uh, you know, we've seen in, in poll after poll that the, um, the uh, vast majority of even people who say they're pro-choice say, listen, there's got to be a cutoff point right i mean you can't be doing this in the 6th uh, 7th month of pregnancy just uh, it, it, that's that's too much so hopefully this story will uh, awaken the consciences of people and say look it's time to it's time to start drawing some lines you know if they if they're not convinced the baby that all the babies should be protected at least let's start drawing some lines
0: i'm speaking with frank pavone who's the founder of priests for life and uh it should absolutely offend the conscience of anyone, whether they are pro-choice or pro-life, or where they think that arbitrary cutoff should be, uh, to hear these procedures described—I mean, to to go in and stop a baby's heart intentionally, to go in and you know with scissors—the uh, as you're describing this and. Um, and basically decapitate a a child. I mean, it's just, it's so gruesome and so disgusting. And this is why even if it is incremental and obviously for pro-lifers like you and I and every Christian, we believe and should believe, because the Bible reflects this, that every baby should be protected from the moment of conception from these medical interventions, Um, and abortion is defined as a medical intervention that intentionally causes the death of a child. It's not a miscarriage. It's not when something goes wrong um, naturally because we live in a fallen world. It's with intent that the abortionist is going in uh, with intent. And even if we say, okay, these gruesome practices, there has to be a cutoff. And even if we have something like a heartbeat bill, that saves so many more children. And from these horrific practices, um, I I just, I I can't imagine that any person who says that they're pro-choice, would look at something like this and actually see what goes on in an abortion and would say, yeah, I'm okay with that. I mean, I, I well, just, yeah, well, you Tanner, would have to be it, evil. It,
1: it, it, you, you, you said exactly the, 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 the you hit the nail on the head. They have to look at it. So, so people are debating abortion as if it's some abstract argument about uh, belief, just about beliefs. It's not just about beliefs, it's about bloodshed. Uh, they, they're talking about their viewpoints on abortion, but it's about victims, it's time to look at it. And again, people, we could do this very respectfully. You know, you, you were saying some great things right at the outset there about, about opinions and opinions conforming to truth. So people have their opinions about abortion, but, but we're we're skipping over the starting point, which is let's define our terms. Let's make sure we're talking about the same thing. Because, you know, Jenny, you and I have discussions with people about abortion, and, you know, we find ourselves talking past each other, right? I mean, when we say the word, we we know we're talking about the killing of a baby. When they say the word, they're thinking about freedom and women's health and and, and bodily autonomy. We believe in those things, too. But it's just that we're not talking about the same thing. And looking at abortion, we have a special website called lookatabortion.org. And I always challenge folks to do that, or then challenge their challenge the candidates to do that. You know, the Democrats want to bring abortion front and center as an issue in this election. Be my guest, but but look at it, you know, and and have an honest debate, not just a pretend debate.
0: Yes, hundred percent, and and that's exactly what needs to be brought to the fore is to ask some of these pro-choice advocates. You know, look at this. Is this? Do you really think this is health care? How can you possibly defend this? I mean, how can you defend this as saying this is bodily autonomy when clearly we're talking about the bodily autonomy and inherent dignity of the baby as well? Because there are Mm -hmm. there are always two people in in that room. And then plus the third, you know, when the the abortionist and the team comes in. But um, but you're never just talking about one person and and saying, well, you know, the decision should be between um, a woman and her doctor. You're forgetting the other patient that's in the room, and and it's just it's remarkable how the left can can skip over that. They want to make it seem very clinical. Um, they want to make yeah. it seem you know very sympathetic um, when the reality of this is much more gruesome. And in just the last about minute I have with you, um, Father Frank Pavone, and I, I so appreciate your commentary on this. Um, is this really the reason because of how gruesome uh, th- these? potentially late-term abortions performed in D.C. in 2022 because of that. Is that really why you think that the, that the mainstream media has largely ignored this story?
1: Because of the gruesomeness of it? Well, they, they don't want anything to assail the, 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 the pro-choice dogma. Uh, and, and the reason that they don't want to do that is that they don't want anything to harm the business the, 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 the multi-million dollar business of abortion in America. This is a business and the money from the abortion industry is going into the campaigns of Democrat candidates by the tens of millions of dollars flowing from the bloodstained hands of Planned Parenthood right into those campaign coffers of the Democrat candidates. This is this has to be exposed.
0: It it does, and if you are listening and you think that God's hand of judgment isn't on America for this type of gruesome practice, I mean, I, I mean, look back through Scripture and see what kind of societies and empires and world powers fell because of abortion, because of um, homosexuality, because of all of these different things that stem from the from life issues and human sexuality issues that the the society wanted to say we value pleasure and whatever we want to do and whatever acts we want to perform instead of God's original design. I mean, this is basically Father Pavone exactly what, uh, what happened in the garden, rebelling against God's order and his authority and, and to go outside of that and to say that we know better and that we can use all of these other tools at our disposal, Um, that is going outside of God's created order. And we need to pray for this country and we need to pray for justice for the DC Five. So we're going to talk about this uh, more right after the break here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. And I so appreciate um, Frank Pavone and pray for him and his ministry as well. He's been through so much and is still standing firm for life. If you're like most of us, you're paying way too much for healthcare. That's why I want to tell you about a ministry that has been meeting the healthcare needs of hundreds of thousands of Christians, and that's Christian Healthcare Ministries. Chministries.org. Christian Healthcare Ministries is cost sharing made easy. For over 40 years, this unique model has allowed believers to choose their own doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods, since they are not insurance, but a faith based alternative to insurance. Members not only get advanced. Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest-serving health-share ministry, serving all 50 states. Share the good news with a friend, too. chministries.com slash AFR. Make the switch today with any enrollment.
1: Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio.
0: Welcome back, and we are talking about the truth of reality and confronting Uh, people with that truth when their policy opinions are uh, not in conformance with objective truth, particularly in the area of life. And Concerned Women for America has a really great uh, website issue about this. It's at concernedwomen.org. And uh, there is a page on here that says, so you think you are pro-choice. If you are, you must reconcile with the reality of the choice you are supporting. And there is a video, the first video in here is the reality of abortion. There is a warning that it contains graphic images of abortion victims, uh, but this is the reality. It is graphic. It is disgusting. It is something that viewer discretion um, not only should be advised, but participation um, should never be something that women voluntarily and especially unknowingly thinking and they're just buying all of this ridiculous uh, narrative from the left that an abortion will help them get out of their circumstances and, and they have no idea the the gruesome and tragic reality. Um, so joining me now is uh, the president of Concerned Women for America, my very dear friend and, and a woman who I consider uh, one of my mentors and prayer partners and has just been um, a wonderful influence in my life for years, uh, my good friend Penny Nance. And um, Penny, thank you so much for your advocacy for uh, pro-life and you were at the press conference uh, last week in D.C. And so uh, why why is this issue uh, something that I, I think a lot of Republicans are shying away from as we come into 2024? I think that we need to attack it head on with with images and the reality of abortion exactly as you express on the CWA website.
3: Yes. Oh, it was great to be on with you, Jenna. And thank you for your kind words. You're so you're very dear to me as well. Um, yes, I was with Chip Roy, who's a congressman from uh Texas, just a great fighter and, and other members of the Pro Life Caucus, were on Capitol Hill. We were together at the House Triangle outside in a very cold morning last week, um, urging uh the D C medical uh advisors, the D C Medical Coroner's office to do an autopsy on five little babies, late term babies that were um found due to a whistleblower um, in Washington, D.C. And uh, Dr. Santangelo, who's a well-known late-term abortionist, runs that clinic. And a group of women who are progressives, we have literally nothing else in common with them except that they follow the science and they recognize that these are little babies. And so they were able to to get the remains of these little babies, there was about 110 of them, and they're as small as a dime, and we have pictures of them, but you can certainly see the little arms and legs. But the issue we're talking about is the late-term babies. There's about five babies that we believe, and we can't prove because there's not been an autopsy, that there are victims of... Um, perhaps being born alive and allowed to die or uh, and some of them look like they were victims of partial birth abortion both of those are federal uh are, are illegal under federal law and um the D- uh district of columbia and the department of justice which has you know of course authority over the district of columbia in fact congress has authority over the district of columbia they've refused to uh look into it And now, finally, Congress, two years later, have gotten involved in it because they're threatening to incinerate the remains. So DOJ doesn't want to look, nor do they want anyone else to look. And these little babies deserve justice. They were killed illegally. And of course, our heart breaks for all these children. But at least we have the ability under federal law to protect a few of them, five of them, Um, one little baby girl, her name's Harriet. And if you look at the video you mentioned, it's at ConcernWomen.org. You can go on under Trending Issues and see the video. And again, we are very careful about this. For years, I really shied away from showing victims' pictures because I didn't want to further um, traumatize women who are recovering from abortion, and I always want children to be able to come to any of our rallies. But after the overturn of Roe, One too many vacuous, insipid statements were made by an actress, and I I just couldn't take it anymore. I had to show people, this is what we're talking about. As you said, this is the reality. This is objective truth. These are human beings who we are killing. And um, and if you don't believe that, look at the video and then talk to me, and you can tell me whether you think this is a human being who has civil rights or not. Um, and so that's what we were together on. But connected to this issue, Jenna, and I know you're aware of it, is um, under Bill Clinton, there was a law called um, FACE. Uh, and it was uh, it, it has to do with people doing direct action on abortion. And um, and this piece of this bill, this this actual law um, has been used to uh politi- politically politically. Um, uh, hurt pro-lifers uh, recently it was used against one of the women who by the way and this is this is the day after they turned over the remains she was given a federal warrant under faith and now she sits in prison she's been um sentenced to 11 years in prison we recently saw in tennessee people who were all they were doing was singing hymns outside an abortion clinic they've been arrested under faith so um we we're asking for the repeal of that. If you go to ConcernWomen.org, you have the, um, the the actual letter that we sent to Congress where I'm going to be meeting next week with Speaker Johnson about it. Um, the politicization of this law, the fact that it's being weaponized against pro-lifers, is indisputable. It is not being used in any other way. These are, especially after the overturn of Roe, I mean, literally the Supreme Court said, there's no constitutional right to abortion. So why are these people being um, prosecuted under federal law, which is when it's just really a simple local ordinance that they have broken of trespassing?
0: Yes, yeah, so so well said, Penny Nance, and uh, she's the president of Concerned Women for America. You can go to concernedwomen.org. Um, an, an amazing organization uh, that that fights for truth. And and I think what you just have so well articulated there is that you know when we tend to think of Congress acting on abortion, we're thinking of you know, something like passing a heartbeat bill or you know something that mm-hmm. deals expressly just with abortion. But there are so many other facets that that are so important that Congress does need to act on or legislate on, including justice for the DC five, including, um, some of these issues like with the face act. I mean, it's, it's so much bigger than that. And this is why we need to keep a conservative majority in Congress and even expand that majority. Hopefully in 2024, I know a lot of people are very focused on the presidential election, but Congress is incredibly important as well. So this fight is not just at the States. Um, I know with the, the repeal of Roe, a lot of people are saying, well Dobbs gave this the issue of abortion to the states. Um, state and local fights very important, but still in Congress these these fights are important as well.
3: That's right. Well and it you know, we're talking about the District of Columbia and under Article One, Section Eight, Clause 17, Congress has oversight in the District of Columbia. That's a very sort of Special authority that's given to Congress over the District of Columbia. And over the years, they've had to use it. I mean, when I first got to Washington, it was such a mess that Congress had to take over the administration of the District of Columbia because it had a mayor who was a crack addict. I mean, (laughs) that really happened. And so this is something that they can lean into lawfully and require the um, coroner's office to look into these babies. I mean baby Harriet is the is the biggest baby you'll see in the video. Um, and her head is caved in. I believe she was a victim of a partial birth abortion. And so we have every right to suggest that Congress needs to move into this issue. Uh, but uh Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act again has been uh politicized. But that's just one thing. I mean we talk about You know, abortion in the military. We talk about, you know, on federal enclaves. There's a lot having to do with the agencies that Congress has the ability to, um, be involved in and should be involved in. All the appropriations bills, those all matter. So all of these elections matter. The, the coming election in November impacts the life issue on so many levels. Yes, it'll be a hard, it would be a very hard lift on a federal level. To get, uh, you know, a prohibition to start. I believe that life and skins at conception. I want to protect babies from conception to natural death. We're not there yet as a country, but there's a lot of things we can do along the way as we patiently work, as the abolition movement did, as we fought eugenics, as we fought all of these issues a long time. It takes time, and we've got to teach people Fetal development. We've got to teach them what happens in the womb. We've got to teach school children what happens in the womb. Um, our leaders in North Dakota worked to pass a piece of legislation in their state that required children, school children in high school, all through their high school career, to see a video once a year that explains fetal development. It's a beautiful, well done, uplifting video that, that explains fetal development from conception to full term. And, and the miracle of life is, you know, hidden in the hearts of these children. We should do that in every single state. This is how we change hearts and minds and we've got to do all the hard work not only
0: to prohibit abortion but also to change minds and bring them our way. Mm, Absolutely. And God is still in the business of changing hearts and minds. And I'm speaking to Penny Nance, who is the president of Concerned Women for America, on this very foundational issue of life and also the foundational issue of understanding our constitutional republic. I mean, you mentioned, Penny, that um, as the federal capital, the Constitution grants the United States Congress exclusive jurisdiction over the districts in all cases whatsoever, and so the Congress has ultimate authority over the District. That's why justice for the DC Five is being led by Congress, and you know th- this goes into some of these other issues. Like some of the left are pushing for DC statehood, that completely ignores mm-hmm. the understanding of the Constitution that the the federal seat of power in in the district of columbia should not be governed by state legislators i mean when when the the people who call for dc statehood are suggesting well you know all of our residents they don't have representation (laughs) yeah they do they have all of the members of congress that that actually represent Mm -hmm. them instead of just the few that that come from each state um like like me here in florida or you know you in virginia we have a few that go but they actually have Um, The entire Congress that is supposed to act as their um, state legislature for for lack of a better term, because they are a special district that is for the federal seat. And so people need to understand why our Constitution was designed the way that it is, um, where we can go to appeal to the authority that needs to act in these circumstances. And, and then, as you mentioned, um, Penny Nance, we also need to make sure that we are speaking truth and we are changing hearts and minds. Because if this is just a, a kind of clinical debate and we allow mm-hmm. the left to define the terms, then we are forgetting the power of truth, the power of an ultrasound and a heartbeat, and the power of showing some of these videos, as gruesome as they are, mm-hmm. to, to people yeah. who, who would change hard. their minds. Yeah, it's hard. And I don't know about you,
3: how you've felt, but if I'm being, if I remember my life correctly, which I, you know, I don't know why I sort of shied away from it. I mean, it's for the reasons I, that I said, and, and those are good reasons. But um, part of my journey was seeing those pictures as a young student at Liberty University. And once I saw the victim's pictures, like the the debate was over. (laughs) I knew Mm -hmm. that was a baby and I knew it was a human rights violation and I could never support that. But I can support the moms as well, and our movement does that. The left loves to say that we only care about the w- woman while she's pregnant. That is such a lie. In fact, that's a projection. They are the woman. They're the people that only care about the woman for about 30 minutes while they take the life of her unborn child, and then they dismiss her and they don't never want to hear from her again. We're the opposite. We have so many, um, opportunities and private pro-life Pregnancy care centers that walk with women for years, two and three years after their pregnancy. And one of the pieces of legislation, Jenna, that's one of the top priorities for Concerned Women for America this year is a piece of legislation that was uh, introduced by Diana Harshberger in the House called Life.gov Act. And it's in the Senate by Marco Rubio called Standing with Moms Act. It's a very simple, and we all kind of are scratching our heads while we didn't think of it before. But it, what it does is it directs HHS to put online all the different alternatives to abortion for women within their zip code or their state. So, for instance, if you live in Texas, remember Texas did $100 million of abortion alternatives. Uh, and I said to Brian Hughes, who who did that bill, who's a state senator, I'm like, where did all that go? And he said, I don't know, but I know it's working because our numbers have come down for abortion. This is before the overturn of Roe. And I said, wouldn't it be great if we just knew immediately what everything was available? So we we talked to these members of Congress, and immediately they were so happy to do it. But everything, like health care and child care and um, housing and legal help and you know educational help all the things that are available we spend a trillion dollars a year right now on social services in this country plus all the other private opportunities for women that exist all over this nation of people that are, that are your listeners and my members that give their time, talent, and treasure to protect women, to help them. And, and the church as well.
0: That? And and the church as well. Right. And and we're not talking about just women who are potentially seeking abortion, even healing and the hope of salvation and forgiveness that's in Christ for women who have had abortions and regret it. I mean, of course, we as Christians care about women, uh, the 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 whole life, everything. And so, Penny Nance, um, we're going to be praying for you. Meeting, when is your meeting with Speaker Johnson? What day is it next week? Next week. I don't know which day yet, but. Uh, okay, well, be we'll be praying. praying for it. All right, and we'll be back uh, with more tomorrow.
1: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.
0: I want to thank my sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives, but they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com slash AFR and sponsor an ultrasound?